Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. Really excited you guys are with me today. Um, thank you so much to Outpost Coffee for just giving us the kind of coffee that we in Bartlesville, Oklahoma need. Uh, great, great group of folks that run that place. Thank you so, so very much. Check them out at outpostcoffeeco.com. So on today's program, what I want to do is I want to share a little bit of a message that I preached on uh, this last Sunday. Uh, uh, actually Easter Sunday and a message that I believe folks need to hear and this is just the idea that Jesus is more than enough and that because of what he did on the cross for us it shifts and transforms everything and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is unmistakable amen and the reason that we gather in this room the way we do, like this is not abnormal for us. I know that Easter is just, a lot of people show up at Easter and that that's, their, that's the time to show up, but this is Resurrection Sunday. This is, what we, this is what we celebrate on this day. Every Sunday that we gather here, it's called Resurrection Day. It's the Lord's Day. It's Resurrection Day. And the reason we can gather here and meet like this is because of what Jesus Christ did on our behalf. Jesus literally changed everything for everyone in this room because of what He did on the cross. Because of what He did on your behalf. Because of what... Because here's the thing. The sin and the treason that you and I have committed, there is a death sentence that's attached to that. Romans 6 tells us, for the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And I love that that is the case. Jesus didn't leave us there. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it tells us this. For while we were still weak, and at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. How amazing and glorious and beautiful does that make our God? That He would come on our behalf, ungodly, human beings and love us enough to provide a way for us to have life of the everlasting kind. And I think what oftentimes hinders us the most in this whole idea is this, is that we don't really think that we are that ungodly. Now, everyone else around us is ungodly, but we're not. And we'll say, oh yeah, I'm a sinner, just like everyone else. And we try to trivialize that. But I want us to really think about this idea, because if we truly understood that small sentence, for while we were still weak and at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You don't have to look very far to see what God thinks of sin. You just have to look at the cross of Calvary. If God Almighty turned His back on His only begotten Son at the cross when He took the full weight of sin, don't think for any small, minuscule moment that you're getting out of this unscathed. There has to be a, there has to be a sacrifice that's made. And if Christ is not the sacrificial one who is standing in your place, you at one point, at some point, will have to encounter not a God of love, but a God of justice. 
And this is what I hear people say, well, well, Caleb, wait a minute. God's a forgiving God, and so I'll be fine. Which, that is a true statement. God is a forgiving God. But if you're running headlong into sin with no repentance, no, no remorsefulness, no sorrow over your sinful state, don't expect the God of the universe to be a forgiving God. But rather, expect for Him to be executing His judgment. You can read in Isaiah chapter 53. You can see what Jesus... This is what you and I deserve. In Isaiah chapter 53... In verse 6, it started, I'll start in verse 6. It says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. So because of our sin, look what Jesus, the iniquity of all of us is laid on Jesus. Verse 7, He was oppressed, He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He was like a lamb that was being led to slaughter. Think about that. Jesus had every right to open his mouth and say, you know what? No. I don't want to do this. I don't have to do this. I don't deserve this. I'm perfect. I am God. I don't deserve this. But he kept his mouth closed like a lamb going to slaughter. Verse 8 says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who concerned that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. Oh, guys, do you see this? Do you understand how huge this is? And then in Isaiah chapter 53, it tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Mm. Guys, this idea of what Jesus has done on our behalf absolutely shifts everything. And it should change our mindset as we look at this. And so what I want us to do is I want us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And that's where we're going to land for the bulk of the morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to start in, um, I'm going to give it a running start in verse 11. But the, the, the crux of the matter is going to be 14 and 15. But I want us to, we're going to get a running start in verse 11. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation because I like this, how this is worded a little bit better. So bear with me. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope that you know this as well. We are commending ourselves to you again. No, are, we, are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. So there was people that were bragging about having all these things and not giving glory to Jesus. But they, they said, listen, we're trying to show you that we're trying to follow Christ because Jesus changes everything. And verse 13, if it seems that we're crazy, anybody in here seen a Christian that seems like they're nuts? <laughs> it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is, the, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died 
to our old life. Verse 15. He died for everyone so that those who received His new life will no longer live for themselves, but instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Now I want us to pick this apart. I want us to look at the crux of the matters, verse 14 and 15. And I want us to see this because if Jesus has died on the cross for your sin and He took your place and you're, you call yourself a Christian, which 90% of people in America say they believe in God and they are a Christian. If you walked down the streets of Bartlesville, America and said, are you a Christian? Most people would say yes. But I want us to see this. If Christ controls us, how should we be behaving? How should we be as Christ? What, what should we look like? Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. When we see what Christ has done on our behalf, taking our place in the cross, the control mechanism in our lives has His hand at the switch ultimately. If Christ is genuinely and truly the Savior of your life, the, con the control mechanism of your life ultimately is held by the Savior of the world. Amen? And yes, there may be struggles. I get that. We're, we're sinful human beings. There is a struggle between the old nature and the new nature. That is, that, and that will happen until we stop breathing. Amen? There will be a struggle. There will be a struggle. But at the end of the day, that when Jesus holds you in His hand, you need to understand that Christ's love is to control you. We don't hold on to anger or bitterness. We don't hold on to grudges. We don't hold on to this world. We don't have the final say about our lives any longer because ultimately it is Christ that controls us. We need to take this salvation seriously. We need to take what this is seriously. In this text, it is a literal game. This, and I promise, for me personally, I heard a guy share this text. Verse 15. All he did was talk about it. He picked apart verse 15. And literally, it changed my whole mindset. I've grown up in the church for 40 years, and I've seen how... And I've seen the, you know, all the church games that are played. But this next verse really hit home for me personally. And He died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Guys, when you and I begin to understand what Jesus Christ died for, It should change how we interact with one another. It should change how we interact with the world around us. He died for those that no longer, what is it, that we no longer live for ourselves. And man, that's a tough one in America. We talked about that in Sunday school. I don't think comfortable people really want Jesus. I think it's desperate people that want Jesus. And sadly, most Americans are comfortable and so we don't really want Jesus. And the only time we really want Him is when we're not comfortable. Think about that. When we're outside of the comfort, when we're in a desperate spot, when, we're in a, when there's no other answers and we're freaking out and we're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. What are we going to do? Then we're like, Jesus, please, please. But when you're comfortable and you've got your house and your car and your job and all the stuff that you've got, that's a back burner. That's a back burner. 
I want you to begin to think about this. Christ died for your sin. The sin that you commit on a daily basis. And it's not some foggy theory of, and this is what we do, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Amen. Yes and amen. He did. But that's really unpersonal. That's not personal. That's everyone else. And not, I'm just, Jesus died for the sins of the world. And yes, we're all sinners. And that's just a, that's an easy, clean way to make us feel comfortable again. Jesus died on the cross for my sin. The times I've lied. The times that I've lusted. The times that I've stolen. The times that I've committed blasphemy. The times that I have done things that are not, that break all the Ten Commandments. The times that I've been angry. The Scripture says if you're angry, Matthew says if you're angry with your brother, you're guilty of murder. That's, that's the text. Tells us that. Jesus died on the cross for that. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, but, but rather, it's the sins that intertwine themselves into our daily lives. And when we begin to see that's that, that is when things begin to shift. That is when we begin to change our viewpoints. That is when we begin to see things different. And this is what makes the good news good news. Good news invades the dark spaces of bad news. And if you don't understand the bad news, the good news really isn't that great. That's awesome. Oh, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Great. Awesome. But when you start to say, wait a minute, Jesus hung on the cross, was beaten unmercifully for almost 30 hours, and hung on a cross and died because of me. He died for my sins. For me. Because He loved me. For God so loved Caleb Gordon that He gave His only begotten Son. And when you start to put your... Instead of for God so loved the world, why don't you, right above the world, why don't you type your, put your name in there? Write your name, John 3.16. Write your name above the word world. And it becomes personal. And I believe that when you start to see Jesus in this light, when the Gospel becomes personal, it will begin to change and shift your life. And you'll no longer start to have to live for yourself, but rather you'll live for Christ. You'll do what Christ has called you to do. You'll do what Jesus is calling you to do. He'll go where He wants you to go. You'll talk to who He wants you to talk with. You'll interact with who He wants you to interact with. And sometimes Jesus is going to call you to interact with people that you're not comfortable with. And that's okay. That's okay. Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us, therefore, because of what has just been said in the text before us, in verses 11 through 15, or through 11 and 16, verse 17 says, therefore, if, and we've got this on coffee mugs and t-shirts and everything else with butterflies and all this other stuff, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And sadly, my, my heart breaks because I don't see old passing and new coming. I just see old sticking around and just hanging out. And if we're a new creation in Christ, the old is supposed to be put away, and the new is supposed to be showing up. All of this is from God. 
who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Guys, the Gospel transforms us. It transforms us into a new creation. And if there's not a new creation sitting in the pew, it could be that you're not, you've not been saved. It could be that. We are to look different. We are to talk different. We are to walk different. We are to be different than the rest of the world. Sin should bother us. Our sin should bother us. We should not be able to snuggle up next to sin and have a date with sin and enjoy the evening. If we can still slink down the alleys and the crevices of sin and not be bothered by it, it could be that you're still an old creation that needs to be saved. Because Christ has reconciled us. Christ has made us new. We should strive for the ministry of reconciliation. We should be a people who want to A. And here's the thing. If we are genuine followers of Christ, we should be people that want to keep short accounts. But I know Baptist people that have been holding on to angry grudges for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And Dad said it a hundred times, they look like they've been weaned on dill pickles. Praise the Lord. I, I, I just watched, and I shared it on my Facebook, John Christ. He's a hilarious comedian. This, a normal Sunday morning, and they're in the back seat trying to get the kids strapped in, and she's yelling at him, and he's yelling at her, and they're screaming. She's spraying dry shampoo in her hair, and everybody's yelling and screaming. And they said, why do you do this? Well, because it's just Christian. That's just what we're supposed to do. It's funny, we giggle, but it's the, it's the truth. Like, it's the truth. We'll be yelling at each other in the car, and then we walk in, and we're just like, praise the Lord. Just excited everyone's here today. How are you doing today? Oh, my goodness, I'm just amazed. God, God is good. All the time He's good. But we're in the car just cussing our spouse out. How do I know? Because I've been in that car. So, yeah. But God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. We should be striving for that ministry. And what's sad is so many of us aren't. We're comfortable. Desperate people are the ones who need Jesus. And I have a feeling that most people in Bartlesville aren't desperate. We're super comfy. We are super comfy. And because He died for us, like we should no longer live for ourselves. This is the point of Easter, is that Jesus died on the cross and then three days later, He was raised for your justification. So as a result of that, I no longer live for myself, but now I'm going to live for Christ because He died for my sake. Like what would happen if we started taking our salvation seriously and we started seeing this as the end-all, be-all? I want us to keep reading there in verse 19. Mm. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God not only brought us back to Himself. Look, look at this. This is the crazy thing. This is the scandalous thing about 
Jesus is that not only did he save us, but now he says, here, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take what I've done on your behalf, what I've done for you. Now I want you to go talk to other people about what I've done on your behalf, what I've done in your life. I want to show off me through you. God has entrusted us with this message, this message of hope, this message of reconciliation, this message that Jesus loves us so much that He died for us even though we don't deserve it. How incredible is that idea? How incredible is that message that Jesus has come into the world, a, a, a world that has committed treason. He created us and we spit in His face and still He showed up to say, I love you and I want to buy you back. Who does that? Who does that? I'll tell you who does. A God who is love. Guys, therefore, we should be messengers of this miraculous message. And what is that message? The message is this. You're a sinner. Pure, plain, and simple. I'm a sinner. Romans 3.23 says that all of us the entire world has fallen short. We've all broken God's law. Everyone in the room has lied at some point. I can, how many, let's, just, let's just for practical, who's told a lie in here? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Just go ahead and, I'll just go ahead and own that. We'll just play that game now. But just, I mean, that's just, like, these are just, just the basics here. The basic ten foundational principles of morality, God set them up. And God didn't set them up to see, okay, let's see if I can trip them up. The point of the law is that you cannot keep the law. Like, you can't. The law, there's only one who kept the law. Jesus is the one who kept the law. He was the perfect sacrifice, and He introduced the sacrificial system. He brought it. He shed His blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood on the cross for your behalf and introduces this and he steps into the gap. So when God looks at Caleb now, it's no longer Caleb that God sees, but rather it is Jesus Christ. And so when God sees Jesus, he, see, he views Caleb as perfect, holy, and blameless. Read Ephesians 1. That's the truth. That's what the text tells us in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 says that we are holy and blameless because of what Jesus did on the cross. So you can just look at your neighbor and say, I'm blameless. Go ahead. Look at your, see, look at your spouse. Everybody's, everybody's nervous. Everybody's In the eyes of Jesus, positionally, you are perfect. You're perfect. And because of that, gift you and i have been given eternal life and you say to yourself how in the world on an easter sunday do i get access to that well romans 10 9 and 10 tell us exactly and most of us in the room we probably don't even need to we don't even need to look at it we've got it mo most of us memorized in our hearts but i'm going to read it just so you guys know that i'm not faking it here Romans 10, 9, it says, if, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with our mouth one confesses unto salvation. That, that's, you find Christ through repentance. You get 
an access to a perfect account through repentance. And you say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm good to go. Well, I'm going to promise you in here, most of us in the room are not repenting on the level that we need to be repenting. Because here's our typical thing that we do. And this is, we get down, we're just at the end of the day, Father, thank you for the day. Lord, I pray that you forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. We just sort of kind of just blanket throw this out and we don't ever really think about what we've done for the day. Something I've done, and I've done it in front of my children, and they can, conf- they can verify this, is I'll say, before I pray out loud to ask for forgiveness of my sins, I'll, I'll ask, I'll say, God, just bring to mind where I've fallen short today. And he'll, he'll prick your mind. Oh, that time you yelled at Jamie? Oh, the time that you lost your temper? Oh, the time that you had that lustful thought? Oh, that, 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 and that, that, that. Oh, that time you lied? And then I specifically get, I get specific with God. And God knows that I did this. He's not shocked by it, but it's just, it's a trans, it's a thing that I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm having a conversation with my Heavenly Father and I am owning my sin. You want to preach? I'll sit down. Because I'm, uh, that's, Amen. You you can't, you can't repent of what you don't uh, run. You don't. Oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. Well, yes, you're a sinner. Yes, I'm a sinner. But what? Like, let's get specific here. Like, start. And I'm not saying like get up and I'm not saying we stand up here and have a specific thing where we all talk about it. God, this is between you and God. Like, get alone with Jesus and say, Jesus. I need your forgiveness. And guess what? 1 John 1, 9 tells us this beautiful thing. If we confess our sins, that He is faithful and He's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. That's the beautiful thing about the, the Gospel. Is that He's willing, able, and ready to forgive us and to cleanse us from anything we've done. Is it anything? Yeah. Have you read what David did? Have you read what Paul did? Paul killed Christians. Anybody in the room killing Christians? I didn't think so. Yeah, yeah. May have not murdered them personally, but you may be murdering their character. I, I said I was when I was in Texas a couple weekends ago. There was a room full of guys that were in prison at one point, and I said, "Is anybody in the room ever guilty of murder?" And like three guys were like, and "I was like, well, well all right." Jesus could forgive you too. Like, then that's just like that, that idea because they, 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 they got saved. Like, Jesus got a hold of their hearts. I'm like, did Jesus save you? He said, yeah. And I'm like, if Jesus could save a murderer, he could save anyone. If Jesus could save Caleb Gordon, he could save anybody. If Jesus could save Dale Copeland, he could save anybody. I'm just, I'm throwing out names. I mean, if you don't, Jamie Gordon, I'll just throw names out. Joe Sears, if G, if, amen? If Jesus can save Joe Sears, he can save anybody. Guys, I'm telling you, this is, the, this is the message of Easter, is that you and I have access to Jesus. We have an account that can be wiped clean. A slate that can be started over. But the question is, are we taking our salvation seriously? Are we taking what Jesus has done on our behalf seriously? If you're here and you're saved, and that's wonderful, what are you doing? What are you doing? 
well, I'm just kind of just doing my thing. Going to work, doing, I don't know. Does anybody really know that you're a Christ follower? No, I don't want to talk about it. I might screw up. Well, I'm going to promise you, you're going to screw up. You're going to mess up. You're going to say something that's probably not theologically accurate. But guess what? Jesus is sovereign enough to take care of that. Just get to where the point where you say, God, I want to be obedient. I want to be willing to share and talk. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say go into all the world if you've got a theological degree. Go into all the world if you know how to talk. Go, and he just said, have a convers- go into the world and make disciples. How do you make disciples? You have conversations with people. You talk to them about what the Bible says. You talk, yeah, you may have to talk about what sin is. Because if you don't understand you're a sinner, you don't understand you need to be saved. Guys, I hope that as you heard this message proclaimed, it encouraged your heart and that you were moved in such a way to see Jesus in a little bit of a different light. My hope is that you see Jesus as the Savior of your life. You see what he did on the cross on your behalf and because he died for your sins, that it shifts your whole worldview. It changes your entire mentality and that you would move towards him in a way that is refreshing and brand new. Love you guys. Thanks for listening today. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.